Hello and welcome to Tashi Station Radio, where we sell power converters, talk about X-Wing, and we are still out of power converters. I'm Matt Newt. I'm Doug Al. And I am Alex Smittle. And let's go ahead and get right on to the news. We uh, actually do have some news after a bit of a break. Uh, no longer are we all waiting for those Adepticon-exclusive N1 Starfighters. Those chromed ones have been sent out. Uh, many of us in the first batch have received them already, and I gotta say... Uh, they look pretty cool. Did you guys get yours yet? Indeed. Yeah. It looks yeah, pretty sweet. Mid last yeah. week. Looks pretty sweet still in the box on top of all my other X-Wing stuff. Uh, yeah, I was just <laughs> saying in the other day in our group chat that I have not opened my uh, X-Wing kit since my last game against Doug, which was three months ago. Yeah, I took mine okay. out of my backpack to use my backpack for something else. That's uh, the most action my X-Wing stuff has gotten. <laughs> all of my X-Wing stuff I put in a pile in my room, because the first week of work from home, I was determined to organize it all, and it's still sitting in that pile. Doug, we've been working from home since mid-March. I'm aware of that. <laughs> now there's a shiny N1 on top of the pile, so... No, it's still on my desk, actually. I'm still oh, that's right. right I saw that. <laughs> yeah, one of the things that's come out from this, though, is uh, there's been an immediate rush to eBay for a lot of these, and... That uh, kind of surprised me a little, but then I realized we already saw that with the uh, last year's Adepticon exclusive Vulture and the World's Plo Koon Delta 7. Uh, I don't know. This kind of seemed odd to me that there's kind of the, the secondary market for exclusive paint jobs. I mean, so it feels goofy to me this year. Like, people are allowed to sell them if they want to oh like, no, yeah not discounting that at all um but like in the past they were exclusive as in you had to go to an event to get them so like people that couldn't go to the event would have a reason to want to buy them and but here it's like everybody could sign up i know not everybody got them but i feel like most people got the in ones that wanted them so I'm, I'm genuinely surprised by how big of a secondary market there is you know, and it's funny, as much as i love the republic i have not flown the n1 in a serious game did not count any jank tank. And yet I ordered one just because I was mad about not getting to go to Adepticon. Had I gone to Adepticon, I probably wouldn't have got one because I'd been too busy playing. Yeah, I you actually... Should... Oh, go for it. I was say, you should fly the N1 because both Rick and Anakin are good. Yeah. yeah I, that's <laughs> something. Go, going forward, when we get back on the table, I want to try and uh, have a goal to put on the table some ships that I haven't actually built a list with in the last year. Yeah. So the N1 definitely being one of those. I was not going to get the N1 if we went to Adepticon, because, like, it's a fine paint job, but I wasn't that ecstatic about it. But when all I had to do was sign up for an email, I was like, yeah, I might as well. Exactly. It would have made it that easy. I was going to get one, because I needed a second N1, and if it's already on a different paint job, I don't have to paint it to look different than my first one. True. Exactly. I'm hey. not a painter, so... Well, in some other news, uh, well... Actually, news via lack of any contradicting news, there is supposed to be, as per the original schedule, a points change sometime in June. Uh, yeah, originally somebody said something. Like I heard that there was an announcement on the X-Wing official Discord, uh, but apparently it was taken down. Um, but then people seem to be uh, pretty insistent that it's going to happen. It's From what I've... From speculation, I've heard it's going to be a smaller points change than previous ones, which isn't surprising. Do that feels like reasonable speculation. Yeah, mm -hmm. uh, there have been not necessarily leaks, but things that have come out through distributor lists about new ships coming out and when the next wave could possibly be expected. Uh, maybe this points change, whenever we do get it, will have some of the uh, next wave in there, so we can at least do some. Uh, List building and theory crafting before they hit the stores. Yeah, hey, I would... know it's you know it's in the next wave. Lat, lat, lat. lat. Uh, as far as points being released, unless we get more articles about it, I doubt it. Uh, like they tend to, they tend to not drop points on things they haven't revealed yet. But I don't well, know. We'll see. Okay. Uh, so might be delayed due to no sanctioned events for the last three months. And speaking of no sanctioned events, uh, it was announced today that uh, the Nova Open has been canceled. Uh, it's another grand championship down. And just a historied event for X-Wing. Mm -hmm. A huge event for X-Wing. Yeah. It's been there since the beginning. 
It's been national multiple years. It's yeah. it's been a perennial biggest tournament, like one of the biggest tournaments in the country. Huge it's, turnout. Yeah, definitely mm-hmm. a bummer. And it's uh, apparently an amazing convention too. Yeah. I've actually heard the opposite. Oh really? Yeah, it's super crowded and cramped, and X Wing shoved into the basement, and like yeah. you're going specifically to play competitively. Yeah, having uh, started my competitive gaming in the Northern Virginia area, I can tell you that at least when I was going to these conventions uh, <clears throat> TMD twenty years ago, uh, it was they were constantly crowded, and it's a really really big hobby there. So I can imagine, uh, unless it's a specific just an X Wing event. Any kind of big event like that is going to be crammed in if it has to share space with other gaming stuff. Yeah. That being said, I've, I've always the people who run it are fantastic. And oh, I've, that, I've heard nothing but good stuff about yeah. the Nova Open, and it is a shame that again this uh, this lockdown and the quarantine is really hitting a lot of these events hard. We were just talking about it. We've had multiple system opens canceled, uh, Adepticon canceled, uh, a Grands canceled, the Gen Con Continental Championship canceled, the system open that was going to be at Origins canceled now we say canceled these are all technically postponed uh FFG, big old air quotes yeah fg has said they are planning to by saying postponed imply that we will reschedule these at another time we they just don't postponed. know when that is they are postponed until the convention happens again in 2021 <laughs> it's kind of looking like it at this point like that's kind of like the new uh, magic the gathering term suspended instead of banned it means we've banned it but maybe only temporarily <laughs> we have the option of bringing it back. Yeah. Uh, and on that note, uh, on the flip side, there are some stores that are starting to reopen in certain places. Uh, some game nights are starting up again. Uh, if you feel safe and it's uh, responsible to do so, by all means, go out and uh, get some ships on the table. We just encourage you to practice your social distancing, uh, wash your hands, wear a mask, take care of yourself and your fellow players. Uh Support your local stores as well, because these last couple of months have probably been really hard on them. Definitely. Indeed. And that kind of brings us into our first uh, little mini topic here. And that's, uh, if I can go on a bit of a rant here, to shop local. Because right now, our game stores that are the heart of our community need us. In the last wave, Barnes & Noble, big box retailer that also occasionally carries X-Wing stuff, put a lot of items on the shelf weeks before the sell date, because that's when they got them. And while a small local gaming store can get in a lot of trouble for doing that, these big chain stores, they're the 800-pound gorilla. It's not like Asmodee won't ship to them. Uh, but these stores don't go out and support the hobby. They're not giving you a place to play. Getting a ship two weeks early or getting a 20% off member discount is not worth taking money out of the pocket of your local game store. If you choose to cut out your local game store that actually supports the hobby just to save a buck or two, I'm going to say it. You're a bad person. Uh, well, shop local take, where you can. To take a little bit less extreme, like even if money is tight and the discount is very helpful for you, you should at least, when you can, support local. Like, uh, For example, when I first got into X-Wing, I was pretty poor, and I made sure that I at least bought one thing of every wave from our local shop, even if I couldn't get everything. Like, You can always do something. Yeah. And if yeah, you can't afford to do anything, you probably shouldn't be playing X-Wing. Not a cheap hobby. Yeah. <laughs> this, you know, I kind of want to reiterate, remember where the support comes from for our hobby and you know, give back to that where you can. All right. With that being said, uh, on to our main topic, as requested by listeners, formation flying. When is it right? When is it wrong? Uh, start off, uh, Doug, what do we mean by formation flying? Uh, flying in a formation. Uh, um, generally I, was means... gonna, I was going to say, I'll give you $10 if you say flying yeah. in formation. But you beat <laughs> me to it, so I'm off the hook. Yeah, <laughs> it, it generally means flying your ships uh, close to each other uh, in a synchronized manner. So they're all doing uh, either the same maneuver or, like for example, if they're turning, they're doing like one turns and three turns to, to keep uh, the same semblance of a squadron flying together. Um I mean, that's that's a loose definition, but uh, without visuals, I don't really know how else to describe it. To quote the Supreme Court, I know it when I see it. Well, to kind of try and give that visual idea out there, a small ship base is 40 millimeters square. The width of a template is 20 millimeters. So the width of your straight template is half the width of a small ship base. 
You often see people when they're setting up ships, if they're setting up four small bases in a square, they'll use that two straight template to make sure they're lined up horizontally and vertically with that spacing in between them. So effectively, you've got four ships with a one-half base space between them. Now, given that the bases are square and that uh, turn maneuvers, just turn you 90 degrees. So if you have four ships in a square, they all do the same turn maneuver. You could now have moved your entire formation in this, they wind up in the same uh, formation that they're in, just with what were your two left side ships in the front, if you turn to the left, your two right side ships in the back. Uh, if you do a series of banked turns, it is possible to translate that from a square to a diamond where all four ships basically almost have their corners touching. And this is where nudging comes along. But another 45 degree turn gets them all back in that square again. That's kind of the basic geometry of formation flying. Uh, also, as a, a quick tip for people that are flying in a box formation, like you're describing, if you, let's say you have that, that standard four, four ship box, and uh, one is your front left, two is your front right, three is your back left, four is your back right. If you do one turns with one and three, and three turns with two and four to the left in this scenario, then you'll actually keep your same box in terms of like one and two will stay in the front of your formation, mm -hmm. um, which is a, a tip that I, th I think a lot of people don't realize that uh, a one and three turn will, will keep the exact same formation. Just turn it 90 degrees. Yeah. Uh, a good example of this is it's hard to find, but if you can actually find 40 millimeter graph paper, uh, they often make it for uh, table mats for uh, like disposable mats for tabletop gaming. It's really neat to, if you've got some of that, lay it out and actually see where maneuvers take you and line them up. And there are a number of tricks to kind of figure out where your ships are going to be. When you're looking at a formation, though, uh, you can look at anywhere from three ships to eight ships. Uh, tie swarms, we often see flying in formations, usually uh, two or occasionally three ranks. Uh, but it's under very specific circumstances. So... Uh, start out, you know, what are the main benefits of formation flying, Alex? The mainest one is that if you are a jousting list, playing against a jousting list, and you out-joust, um, by flying in formation, you are leveraging your higher jousting efficiency. It's okay. easier to concentrate concentrate fire, because your arcs overlap very easily. It's It's very easy to point all the guns in the same spot, in other words. Okay. Uh, also in there, if you have ships in your list that benefit or give benefits based on being in close proximity, uh, Howrunner, Sarasu, uh, Biggs, Biggs, uh, Sinker in a very specific type of, uh, case, uh, Lorik, these ships that rely on or re other ships rely on being close to them. Formation flying makes that a little more dependable because you know that if you have a house swarm, there's a series of maneuvers you can do to make sure everybody's always going to be in that range one of Howlrunner. Hmm. Which, uh, it also makes it a little bit easier to fly all of your ships, uh, assuming you know like the, the tricks of ensuring that they're doing the same maneuvers and not bumping, or when to you know, slightly change speeds and stuff like that. Uh, you have to worry a lot less about where to put everything. You're setting basically one dial. There might yeah. be some changes on speed, but you're not setting eight uh, eight different yeah. dials. You're essentially flying one giant ship as opposed to a bunch of individuals. Right. And again, we are, talking, yeah, approach things. we are talking about the standard game of X-Wing, not the epic or uh, wing flying. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yes. Those special Forgot templates, those yeah, those, those are don't yeah, really we're not being, not being literal. But, <laughs> yeah. but yes, uh, it's essentially one dial. So the advantages being... Uh, Pilot specific, being great for jousting if you can out joust uh, your opponent, and for ease of setting dials. What are some of the drawbacks of formation flying? Uh, well, you're a lot more predictable because uh, all of your ships are going to the same place and pointing the same direction. Um, you're a lot less flexible for the same reason. Uh, for example, if uh, if you're being flanked on either side by by like two aces. Uh, 
you either have to break up your formation and now you have a bunch of ships in close proximity that are all forcing facing different directions and now you're in a much tougher spot in terms of flying uh or you have to dedicate to one ship or the other uh, and then the other one essentially gets free reign over you uh like your your choices are much more limited whenever you're that tightly knit also um it's kind of a specific thing but if you're flying a list in formation that has different initiatives like say a lot of rebel lists will do with wedge Mm-hmm. And a couple of X-wings or something like that. Um, when that's happening, you're removing anywhere anybody's need to guess what your high initiative pilot is doing if they move between your low initiative pilots and your high initiative pilots. Like say your initiative five pilot, your Obi Wan Kenobi. If he sees your information and he sees where your two I one X-wings go, he knows where Wedge is going to be, yeah. probably, and that mm-hmm. removes a lot of his guesswork. And along the same veins, it's a lot easier for your opponent to range control, uh, like your list as a whole. Uh, in the example of like Obi Wan, there, even if I don't know exactly where the the I one X wings are, uh, I can range control much more easily to guarantee that I'm not range one of Wedge or something because I know where your block is. I know they're all going to stay in roughly the same place. Um, so it, it really it uh it takes away a lot of your your sort of looking for agency yeah kind of um it takes oh, yeah. away a lot of your ability to outplay certain lists it takes away some one of the major advantages of being high initiative yeah okay yeah. uh and speaking of that what type of lists right now in uh the current game benefit from specific formations and positioning obviously we've mentioned things like how runner but specifically what we see out there like uh, vulture droids are yeah. Interesting in that they don't need to be in a formation like a brick or a specific setup, but they do need to maintain as much of that range uh, close ability. How, how Social distancing. Yeah. What is the range on network? Range one. Okay. Yeah. Range one. I, I, was, I couldn't remember because, again, it's been so long since I've flown against a droid. I'm like, if it's range... If it was any bigger, I'm, I'm out. Yeah, I was like, is that range two? Is that why I hate them so much? I've almost forgotten why I hate droids, guys. <laughs> what you'll see a lot with droids, though, are loose formations, where they they are in a formation, but it's not super cohesive, and it's a lot more spread out, uh, which gives them a little bit more of the flexibility uh, that you lose with tight formations. Uh, but it still keeps them within range one of you know two or three buddies so that they can still get their, their uh, ship chassis off. Sometimes droids will break formation right after the opening engage, too. Yeah. Because they're all going to land on rocks and stuff. Right, well, that's just it. There's really no incentive, whereas a lot of formations, like a TIE formation, has to make absolutely certain you do not nick a rock. Uh, TIE fighter hitting a rock is bad bad times for everybody. Droids don't care. Yeah. Droids Another thing to keep in mind with uh, flying in formation is droids and TIE fighters have dials built to fly in formation. Uh, particularly, they have access to both one and three hards. They don't have any red turns. Uh, I guess droids do. It's no, they have banks. Jeez, it's been a while. Yeah, um, it's, it's the three banks. <laughs> they lack. Yeah. They both lack uh, access to one banks, which is kind yeah, of a bummer. It is, but. but but the when flying, particularly bigger than like four ships in a formation, uh, having access to both one and three turns is essential it's a big in deal. order to to swing the swarm around and keep arcs on things. Okay. Uh, whereas if you look at things like X-Wings or B-Wings, they lack that three hard. Uh, and as a result, they can fly in formation, but it tends to make it a lot tougher for them to keep arcs on slippery targets. They bank a lot as opposed yeah. to turn a lot. Um, right. Which so, leads to some problems, because banks is where you end up with spatial drift and bumping your formation. Unless you don't fly in a regular box and you do an offset box. But Yeah. Okay, and that's uh, kind of where I was getting to. The different types of formations you see. Uh, what I was explaining earlier, the box formation, where you had usually an even number of ships, usually two ranks, and that lets you, for example, if you've got three ships in a row, and they're all one-half base apart, and you go one bank, two bank, three bank, you're still going to have them on that same front edge all lined up, because that's just how the geometry of it works. Uh, if you have them all do hard turns, same you get that kind of a, it's, it's almost like a, uh, I always go back to Gettysburg and the Battle of Round Top, the swinging door effect. If you can have your inside guy just doing a tight turn and your outside guy doing a three bank, and you can still keep all those arcs on a target that's moving laterally in front of you, you've got a real good flanking maneuver there. 
Not a lot of uh, formations can pull that off really effectively, but when they do, it can work really well. Uh, you just mentioned the offset box, where much like a box, but one of your columns is set forward or back by half a base. I'm talking side to side half a base. Okay, side to side half base, you can do that as well. Uh, it's that, easier to set up that way. Yeah, what that does is it lets you uh, line them up in a box by doing banks. If you want to do that, well, then uh, your banks, your your banks will never bump each other. Yeah, if you're in an offset box. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are other ones. Uh, one of the ones we mentioned in the previous uh, cast that kind of sees a uh, some use out there is the finger four formation, which is an interesting uh, kind of offset, which almost looks like a football formation, where you've got two ships lined up, one offset, uh, a half base to the uh, to one side of them, and another one equal to the front offset again. Kind of looks like a weird letter Y sideways, if you can understand that. Uh, The idea of it is deployment in a corner means you can easily weave around an obstacle that you've set up at range 2-2 there. Or uh, specifically, it lets you with faster ships, such as A-wings or interceptors, get them moving using their higher speed maneuvers and easily barrel roll back into formation. It seems like there are a lot of interesting uses for it, but it's never really found a lot of success, mostly, and I think, because of the ships that can use that formation the best generally are not ships that having multiples of in a formation really benefit. You don't want to fly uh, a Howl Runner group that way. You don't want to fly uh, that, you know, a finger four and a sinker, a sinker together. Because medium bases just screw all of that up. Yeah, um, I think that's the problem with a lot of very specific formations that people come up with. Is they they might be correct in a specific scenario or a specific matchup, but uh, I think people tend to just kind of f- focus. They tunnel on on this one formation and they run it no matter what. Uh, and I think that's the problem with formation flying in general uh, that we'll get into. Is that there are, there are plenty of times where flying a formation is correct with a lot of different lists. Uh, it's more about recognizing when it's not correct and breaking the formation up that I think people have problems with. And an example I was uh, giving before we started here was back in first edition when I was learning how to fly ships together. Uh, my most common opponent flew a TIE Swarm. I did not own enough TIE Fighters to try a TIE Swarm. What I did own a lot of was B-Wings. So I flew the old 4BZ list. And that, as a jousting list, is great in formation if your opponent's going to joust you. Uh, B-Wings especially, even even more so almost now with the better dial, uh, have the ability to set up in a box and just stay in that box as much as you want. They can do all their turnarounds and flips, and got a four-box formation with B-Wings is great if your opponent is willing to joust. If they're not... Four B-Wings kind of seems like a bad idea, just overall. But one of the problems I got into with that was it can, when you kind of get almost drunk on the efficiency of a box formation, especially in jousting, then you can get really predictable. You set up your obstacles in the same way to you know, optimize your formation. You tend to often do the same opening maneuver, almost like a chess opening with them. And it can get a little predictable and really bite you if your opponent knows what you're doing and is figuring out how to counter your opening on step three, for example. Uh, Doug, you've got a bit of a chess background, so I think you can kind of identify with that. The idea of being able to counter an opening at a specific spot when it's unexpected can just completely change a game. Yeah, um, it's a little different next wing because uh, chess is very binary in terms of you're essentially playing the exact same two lists every game. Um, but there's definitely that like from as a primarily ace player, uh, there are there have been many times whenever people have have just autopilot set up a block formation against you know uh, in 1.0 the big double ace list I ran was Kylo Vader and an academy. Um, and if they set up in that block formation, I just instantly know, okay, I can put my two aces in opposite corners, and they're just going to have to pick one now, and the other one gets free reign. Um, things like that. Like the Whenever you just automatically set up in a formation without really thinking about it, you actually 
give your opponent a ton of information at the beginning of the, of the game. Right, I know a number of things you are not going to be able to do. Yeah. Or if, if you want to try and do those things, you're gonna it's gonna take a lot of extra time. Okay. Uh, Alex, what's uh, a good example of kind of an unusual situation where formation could be beneficial that we might not be thinking of here? You know, we've talked about jousting and uh, you know proximity abilities. What else is there that uh, might be slipping our minds here? I mean, there's not a whole lot else, really. Um, but the main thing is, uh, people in X-Wing just like to joust. So, if you can, like... So, take the list I took to Grands. The Obi-Wan, Broadside, an Ark, and two Torrents. Uh, excuse me, I took that list to Grands. Uh, who came in first in Swiss? Um, <laughs> also, Sarah Tessum took that list of the worlds. And, yeah. <laughs> That's the main point. Um, but, uh... I flew the four non-Obi-Wan ships, um, but I flew the non-Obi-Wan uh, ships in a specific formation every game to start, because it was a pretty efficient jazz list in that AC meta, and uh, people tend to just jazz with their aces, too. Um, that's what separates good ace players from bad ace players. But the, the main thing, I think, is flying information, is knowing when to break the formation. That's where the, the real quality is. Okay. Well, let's take a, a list that's been reasonably successful in the current uh, hyperspace meta that could be seen as a good jousting list. Uh, the four X-Wings list, where it's uh, Luke, Thane, two Red Squadron veterans with Selfless. Almost on its face, those are that, that should be an ideal fly-it-in-a-block, joust things, and throw all these three-die attacks, and it kind of the presence of selfless helps mitigate the defensive drawback to that. Would that be a list that formation flying, especially because of selfless, is uh, recommended with? Yeah, I mean, yeah. as you just mentioned, like because of selfless, it does have those those uh, that that range limitation. Uh, like there could be situations where it's incorrect too, but they would be very rare. Like they would be because you're playing against. I love on rig. Yeah. Yeah, like very, or very double, specific. Double Kylo would be a better option. <laughs> but that's yeah. another thing. Particularly in the hyperspace meta, I think that list is best just kind of block jousting. Right. It's not the most efficient list, but uh, it wrecks some face. Yeah. And see, that could be a situation where you don't is against something uh, like the 7 6 with Auto Blaster. Uh, if you, instead of flying them in a brick, spread them out, maybe you do two pairs, like a selfless red with an I-5 each. Uh, then you're you're forcing the seven autoblasters to choose one or the other, and the other side gets a free flank. Uh, something like that. Okay, well that's going to bring me into what I was going to ask with that list. When is an example of when you would break formation with it? Yeah. Yeah, uh, that's something where you're, you're clearly out-jousted, clearly outgunned, is the only situation I'd even consider it. Uh, even then, because of selfless, uh, you're you're kind of tethering yourself to being in a block, um, which is a strength and a weakness. Like um, the weakness is that you lose a lot of flexibility in how you approach things, uh, but you get selfless. So, damage you know, passing is really good. Yeah, <laughs> it's very strong. If they try to pour a bunch of shots into Luke and they roll a couple of extra crits, Luke doesn't die when he should. It's very frustrating. Yeah. <laughs> okay. uh, one of the other advantages, I think to formation flying is that it used to be, and we've mentioned a couple times, formations lock you into specific moves. Uh, they're not often good at dealing with obstacles there because you may have to either split your formation to get around a rock or go over it. I mean, but these days, there are enough formations that just ignore obstacles. Right. You should just bring one of those. Bring one of those swarms. <laughs> and there are enough obstacles that just ignore consequences. True. Bring those True. if you're bringing a swarm that doesn't ignore obstacles. <laughs> the uh, What I was going to mention is that one of the major changes between 1st and 2nd edition is that almost every small base ship has repositioning options as well. So you're if you're going to fly in a formation, there are ways to get it pointing in an unexpected direction, possibly. Uh, if you're flying ships that have... Uh, Barrel roll or fo focus into barrel roll or boost, you may be able to take a formation that looked like it was going to be okay, going to have to do a 90 degree turn here. Nope, they can do a fast bank and then boost, and they've done a bigger 90 degree turn effectively. 
there's I wouldn't say it's a strategic leap towards favoring formation flying, but it's an advantage that wasn't necessarily there before. Yeah, um, I mean, that's true. Uh, my big thing with arguments like that, though, is that all of that still applies to not flying in formation. Uh, and I think that's kind of the problem with a lot of, like, people just, they just autopilot to flying in formation because it's easier. And yes, there you can do more than you could in first edition, so it makes it less punishing, but that doesn't make it correct. Okay. I'm going to give another example of a use of a formation that might just put you guys on tilt right off the bat. Quad Star Vipers. I mean, that's it's the right abusing, call for that list. Yeah, it's abusing a tournament rule. Yeah, it's, a, it's like, abusing a non mechanic. Yeah, that's... But. That is an exception to the rule. Like, there's no reason to not fly that formation because your intention is to not play the game until something forces you to. And kind of following up from that, an example of when you don't need formations at all, quad phantoms. It's the same thing. People yeah. abused it less, but it's the yeah. same. same quad phantoms like, should have done the same thing the quad star vipers did. Yeah. yeah, they could have, but the idea that in most games, at least that I flew against quad phantoms, it wasn't a brick formation coming at me you know, they had the option to do that, but a ship like that can split off at any time in a billion different ways, yeah. and then, because of the decloak, get back into that formation when they need. Well, so if we're talking about the quad juke phantoms when they were at the height of their power, there was no reason not to formation fly, because that ship is ridiculously mobile. It's the most mobile formation in the game, uh, and it outjasted everything, because you had four I3 ships with juke that always had the evade and a modifier. Like there, there was literally nothing that could outchast that list. Thank God it's gone. Yeah. But uh, on the subject of formation flying, knowing when to know when and how to break formation is really what separates a good player from a bad player. Um, if you look at the tie swarm, when the game really gets interesting in a tie swarm is after the opening gauge, when the tie swarm has to do seven or eight different maneuvers to maintain their advantage. And that's that's where you can tell if somebody knows what they're doing with a list like that. Okay, uh, you, you almost kind of lost me a little there. Are you talking about having to take seven or eight extra moves to get back into formation? Or? No, I'm talking about making seven or eight different maneuvers with your seven or eight ships to maintain your advantage in the game currently. Once, uh, once a Tyson breaks formation, it's never coming back. And that's fine. Because you, your job is to know how to break the formation to leverage the advantage you got by staying in formation at the beginning with your efficiency. Okay. Uh, another example I've got of uh, pointing out, it's not necessary to fly your entire list in formation, necessarily. Uh, the last list I took to a hyperspace trial was the uh, uh, Ion Cannon Broadside and four Jedi Knights. While it's easy to fly Jedi Knights in formation. There's no real benefit to it because you don't want to joust with them. And spreading out those super agile guys when, especially with the uh, their pre-move ability, uh, God, I forgot what it's called, fine-tuned controls. When you can get them, you can overlap those arcs just as easily as you can staying in a brick. And you have the advantage of not having all your ships in a line of fire as well. Uh, and there goes into one of the bigger disadvantages of formation flying. If your opponent dodges one of those arcs, they may have dodged all of them. Yeah, I mean, that's the, the biggest weakness of formation flying is whenever you... Well, I guess the biggest weakness is n not correctly identifying that something outjousts you and then just losing the joust. Um, but in terms of... If you fly in formation against a more agile list and that list, the, that specific ace gets out of your arcs, you have a much harder time reestablishing, like relocking it down and putting it in a, a threatening position. For example, if I have a brick of B wings and I joust Soontir Fell, and Soontir Fell just, you know, galaxy brains past me and gets to my equivalent of, say, uh, 8 o'clock, I am never getting all my arcs back on him if he doesn't want to be shot at. That's 
the danger. Not only that, but you're going to have a hard time getting any orcs back. Right. In. And that's that's the, the problem with uh, occasionally, this is not necessarily just uh, a, a formation fly problem. It's often a jousting list problem. A jousting list can often be like the Kool-Aid man. If you are going at that wall, you are leaving a list-sized hole in it. But if you miss, you have all that momentum going in one direction and you don't turn around well. Mm-hmm. Now, there are, some, there are some jousting lists that are rather maneuverable and have wider arcs, things like that. Anything that's got uh, a 180 arc, a turret, things like that can... Land crew. Yeah, land crew can do all sorts of fun things. But if you are... The danger of, I have you now, I think I've set up my perfect kill shot, and then you find out Vader just a barrel roll and boost and take none of that? Ah, that's one of the most infuriating things ever. But every time I've got myself in that situation, I have to just look at my list and go, ah, I played myself. Yeah, so to to take that example from a non-formation flying perspective, if instead of lining your four B-wings up in a block, if you spread them out over, let's say, like a range two band mm-hmm. in like a line along your board edge, and then came at them from four different directions. There's no way all four of your B-Wings are going to get shot on, on that soon tier, but there's a much higher chance that one or two of them will. Yeah, it's the Plus, you can break one off to block mm-hmm. and cut off angles, which makes it a lot easier for your other ships to line up shots. Yeah. yeah. It's you a lot like it. the yeah. difference between a fire hose and a sprinkler. You, know, yeah. you, you yeah. aren't getting, you aren't necessarily going to have, if you spread those ships out, they may not all four get shots on the same target, but you're never going to have, or you're rarely going to have a zero shot round. Mm-hmm. Example. And, oh, oh, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, I was going to say, and as you, you fly your ships out of formation, get more comfortable with it, uh, you'll get better at recognizing how to engage with those four ships at different speeds so that they can actually all collapse on the same target whenever you are sure you're going to get a shot on something. Uh, and then you can still concentrate fire just as much. But now, instead of all of your ships pointing the same direction and having to all K-turn or all disengage and re-engage, you can now turn them in at different vectors, and it's much easier to maintain multiple shots across multiple turns. Okay. Makes a lot of sense. Uh, one of the things I think... I, that... I, was, I had something to say. Yeah. Right um, but as, like, so as an example, um, back when the Drea Swarm was a thing, that list had literally zero reason to fly in formation. Because it just based on being the target being Andrea's arc, mm-hmm. um, which was a wide wing with two arcs, very easy to do. So I literally would set this formation up in a line across the entirety of the back of my um, board edge, and people had no clue what to do against that because I would just collapse from every angle onto wherever they set up their formation. Because I set up at I one at a weird box thing, they're just going to set up across from the Drea part and out joust her, but. I was I was able to collapse all of them onto them from the semicircle because I didn't have to be in formation. Oh, yeah, I did the exact same thing with the uh, Y4J list that I would set up broadside on, on the, the flank and the Jedi just in one firing line that would react to whatever my opponent did and that worked against 90% of the opponents that weren't named Greg. <laughs> and, like, when I flew Fen and Six TIE Fighters... Um, I flew the TIE Fighters in two groups of three. Basically two medium ships is how I flew them. And they were very easy to collapse on an opposing formation, even uh, moving first, because I had two different vectors, like Doug said. Alex, that's such a good list. Why is it not doing better? It cut 50% of the time it went to tournaments. Hey, why, 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 don't we, why don't we see more? It's, it's such a good list. Because we haven't seen any hyperspace in three months. True. Uh, COVID hit two weeks after I... Top 16 to the system open with it. Kept <laughs> <laughs> you from defining the meta. That's what it is. Also, it's probably miserable to play against, so I don't want to see it. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine if you're in Kylo. Sad. <laughs> I think it's four Kylos in a row with that tournament. Maybe <laughs> three of them. I didn't even damage one of them, though. <laughs> game plan against Kylo with that list is ignore Kylo, kill the other ships, and hope you have three TIE Fighters left. <laughs> but uh, for those of you who haven't been following along, uh, back in February, Doug and Alex went down to Texas and wound up having to face each other in the cut. And yeah, Doug gave sad. Alex a uh, very quick shellacking on stream. Alex, and... 
unblocked Kylo so Kylo could torpedo Finn. It was very sad. It was very polite. But yeah, see, there's an example of ships, especially if you've brought asteroids. Mining guild ties can fly in formation all they want, but there's not often a benefit to doing so. Uh, you're not flying mining guild ties and mining guild Hellrunner. Oh, got it. Hellrunner was in a mining guild tie? Oh. I mean, there's two blocks of three is essentially two formations, or two triangles of three. Right. But, and, yeah, but that's they, less of a formation as just kind of a maneuvering group. It doesn't matter where they are in relation to each other. You can have them three spaced out, one you know space between. You can have them all within a range three band. You're just flying them to provide a series of arcs rather than concentrated fire. And so. to uh, to elaborate a little bit, even though Smittle started in two blocks of three, he spread them out pretty quickly, uh, at least against me, uh, when he had to. Uh, I had to. And... You had Kylo and Von Rigg. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I did. Like the when you st- I know I'm not adjusting anything when I set up in two blocks of three. Um, yeah. So their job is to be TIE fighters. But also, you know, people hate is three harding onto a rock and then they're rolling <laughs> to block them. People hate that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but that's... It's a good point that even if you set up in formation, if you get comfortable with setting up in a way that it's easy to spread out afterwards, then you actually have even more flexibility than either setting up in a strict brick formation or setting up loosely. You can have the advantages of both. Agreed. And going back to my the Saratessum list I flew at Warfare last year, that's what I did every game, yeah. is set them up in the exact same formation, but knew, knew I could break it at the very beginning of the game if I had to, or I could wait until after the opening engage to break it. Now, there's an example. We both flew the same list, and we both flew it very, very differently and only came up with one game apart in the Swiss. Uh, and that's to show you that a list does not have to force you into a certain formation or setup of flying. Uh, you should fly to your own personal strengths. And again, like you said, be willing to adapt that list to what you see in front of you. If your opponent has lower initiative and sets up his list to joust and you're pretty sure you can beat the joust by all means go nose to nose and wreck face uh, and also yeah. what, I, what i said earlier a lot of xing players just joust no matter what their list is i can't tell you how many times i've had a supernatural kylo joust me yeah like well, i can't it's which, twice but. i think the, <laughs> the biggest takeaway we're trying to get from this is that you shouldn't autopilot during yes. setup you should think sure. about what are your list strengths versus your opponent's list strengths? Should I set up in formation? Should I set up spread apart? You know, can I out joust this this list? Like, it, it just take a take a minute before you set up to think about it. Mm-hmm. Um, As another Carolina-based podcast has said, if two lists are jousting, one is wrong, and you need to think about that when you're setting up. You need to, yeah. There needs to be an actual reason as to what you're doing besides this is what I normally do. Uh, and while I often am the archetype of the take beefy ships, put them in a block, and joust my opponent, even when I was flying a weird, janky four-ship rebel list back in the day, uh, it had low Rick and Jess and thus was good in close quarters, what I would often do was start in a corner, bank in, and then, or bank out, and then hard turn in, which put me in an unpredictable position and if my opponent decided I'm not going to joust and I'm going to run away, it actually gave me good positioning. So there are ways to kind of get in that paper, rock, scissors, wine in front of me, outthink your opponent a couple moves ahead. But it really will always depend on the situation. You can't fly expecting to have all your games follow the same step. Even if you're in a meta where you fly against the same lists all the time, different players will fly them differently. Um, I had something to say. Oh, yeah. Um, it's usually a good idea. Set up your formation in a corner, as Matt said. Um, going back to what Doug said earlier, if you uh, if you set up your formation and they can just put an ace on either side of the board, you can only pick one. You have a lot more time to see what's happening and pick one if you set your formation up in the corner as opposed to Okay. So kind of putting all this together, uh, what is... So, okay. Uh, you're taking your list of choice to a tournament, and you notice that your opponent is flying a tight formation with their list. What are ways you can counter that? Uh, are you implying that we have a 
worse jousting list than them? Yes, presumably you're, you're not going to just win a straight-up joust with them. How do you react to something like that if you are at, say, lower and higher initiative? Uh, well, it's going to start with uh, rock placement, actually. Okay. Uh, you want to, and what that means is you, like, not only where you're placing rocks, but you need to think about where you want to engage, because you, if they're better at jousting than you, assuming that it's not a droid swarm, you want to engage in the rocks. Uh, it's going to hinder them a lot more than it's going to hinder you. Uh, and if you're not flying in formation, then you can approach from multiple different angles, uh, which forces a lot of tough decision-making for them, and the more decisions you force your opponent to make, the better chance there is they'll, me they'll mess up. Okay, make their decision tree more complex, it's easier to fall apart. Yes. Alright, so to sum up, you know, get rocks that you can corridor in between, force them in there. Uh, Engaging at a 45 degree angle, as opposed to straight on, is also very helpful. And specifically, if they're if like if they're facing your board edge to come at it forty five degrees from them, not just each yes. of you at forty five degrees. Yes. If they're on a forty five degree, if they've if they started facing forward and they've banked, they're math. The math is off. The distance is off from their front line to their back line. So it's a lot easier to just engage the front line that way. Um, the range control is easier on a forty five than it is if you're just straight up face to face casting, which you should never do anyway. It also makes it a lot easier to get K-turns in the next turn, or, you know, clear your three hard to block them, things like that. Like, if you're if you're coming at each other head-on, it eliminates a lot of your maneuver options, because they'll There's just be in the way. A lot more RNG in a straight-up head-to-head joust. Yep. Um, even if one side is more efficient, um, if you're straight-up head-to-head jousting, you've removed all of your skill from the game, which mm -hmm. means it's now a dice game. And that, uh, that first turn in a jousting list off is the most important turn of the game. Yep. And if you're not leveraging your own personal abilities, you're at a disadvantage. Yeah. Back in the day of high ship count swarms uh, owning the meta, kind of right after uh, droid swarms started being a thing. It this was... was supposed to be the swarm meta, and COVID-19 yeah. ruined it. Indeed. <laughs> Sad. But I'm talking about the uh, a little bit last year when... It was not long after the uh, the hiding of Ahmed dropped, mm -hmm. and we had a hyperspace trial that I made it into the top four of flying a Republic list that was, for all intents and purposes, one of the most annoying lists. It was three, uh, three arcs and two torrents with hull upgrades everywhere. It was forty three health. It was just a nightmare to try and chew through. And I was fine flying that into a droid swarm because I would just win on attrition there, regardless of what their formation was. And in the four qualifying round, or the four qualifying rounds and the top eight that it cut to, I saw in five games three identical droid swarms that formation flew, and I straight up jousted and won. And then in the top four, I see another droid swarm, uh, Ernestro, out of. Uh, Southern California, we all know and love him. Mm -hmm. uh, and he lines up, and I think, okay, I've got this one. And then he splits his formation completely apart. I joust, and I literally felt like that where suddenly you, you run, and the opponent just suddenly they're on your flanks, and everything's coming in sideways. And I had you know, three arcs is not a very maneuverable list. And I was in the worst place possible all of a sudden. And I just went, oh, oh, I, I autopiloted that. And that's the what we're talking about. Not only when flying against a formation, you can't assume identical lists will fly the same. And that's a great example of how it bit me in the butt there. Like I said earlier, knowing when to break formation is what separates good swarm players from bad swarm players. Yeah, and Ernesto is one of the best. The fact that he broke it on turn two was absolutely just shocking. And I went, what? So, uh, another Ernesto. You can stop listening to this podcast. You clearly already know what you're talking about. <laughs> there you go. Unfortunately, you sat through an hour of it, so I yeah. apologize for that. Yeah. But <laughs> that's all right. We'll get you to edit in uh, in the intro. <laughs> Aaron Astro warning. <laughs> in the, uh, in the intro. Uh, Don't waste your time. Uh, which also suddenly reminded me of another list that is out there with a lot of ships. Uh, the Focho does it or does it not benefit from formation flying? 
It's uh, uh, the most successful it's been has been flying as a block of four and two blocks of two. Yeah. In other words, almost exclusively not as a solid. Four yeah, not as an eight block. Yeah, I, I can't think of any reason to fly that as an eight block unless someone's willing to joust you. Uh, I would actually even go far as to say if you're flying it in an eight block, you're actually hurting the list strengths. You are. You are. Because the thing is, that it's eight ships with amazing dials that are not tethered to each other in any way. Um, and so the reason that the most popular one has been four, two, and two is because you have eight ships on the board. So if you fly eight, fly eight individual ships, you're going to have a massive headache by the end of game two. Uh, but by splitting them into essentially three smaller groups, you still get a lot of jousting efficiency, but you have you know, two different offsets of pairs of two that can dive in and block or flank while your main four brick tanks and soaks damage. Right. So... A little bit of both, but that's because it's an eight ship list, and those are always a little different. Yeah, eight ships are a whole are kind of a different animal. Yeah, it is. But that's actually probably the good example to wrap the discussion up on is a list where there are times when it's good, there are times when it's not good, there are times when you can kind of do what fits the situation. So, uh, our official recommendation: learn how to fly in a formation, but don't get yourself in the mindset that you have to. And for people who have been flying information a lot, I would challenge you to, the next time you, you pick up a, a traditional jousting list, intentionally don't fly it in a formation, even when you think you could win the joust. Like, just spend some time not flying in formation to get used to it. Because uh, it'll, yeah, it'll take, a, you know, five or ten games before you get comfortable with collapsing correctly and, and still getting all of your arcs hitting the, the correct target. Um, but once you're able to do that, it's it's a lot easier to identify when and when you should and when you shouldn't do that. And that'll win you games you weren't going to win otherwise. I can tell you from experience, it's great to have your one agility B-Wing suddenly come in from an unexpected angle out of formation and not have to take any return shots. Yeah, there's there's something super satisfying about collapsing with four or five different ships in the the curve that Smittle talked about where your outside ones are collapsing in on banks and your, yeah. your ones that are head jousting are just inching forward. Yep. And then your entire list shoots at range three and that list in formation only gets to fire two or three of its six shots. Yep, at a at a meaningless target. Yeah. It's like, it's, uh, it's super it's very, satisfying. Very rewarding. Yeah. And it's it's very demoralizing for your opponent because they just watched you pour your entire list into theirs. And they barely got to shoot back at all. And you're in a semicircle around them. You have them surrounded. And yeah, even though it's completely unscientific and just, we often talk about the fun factor, setting up that kill box where they have maybe a shot at one of your ships and you've got all your ships able to just pour boxes of bullets into them. That is so satisfying to be on the giving end of that situation. Mm -hmm. And so demoralizing to be on the receiver when you realize, I have you now, and then suddenly, oh, I guess I get to shoot at a headhunter. Yay. Yep. And there's something to it that if you're actively looking for that, you are more actively paying attention to your game, whereas if you're just block formation like you always do, it's very easy to autopilot and just walk into traps. Hmm? We're a block Kylo. Get torpedo. <laughs> like I said, um, Doug knocked me out of two world's tickets. <laughs> it's okay because you earned one in the most respectable of ways. Earned. Yeah. I won the same number of games that day as you. <laughs> and as Duncan, now we actually Duncan won the whole thing, didn't he? Everybody yeah, he did. <laughs> right. But the other tournament I beat. That's what's important. Um, uh, I have one other thing to add about formations is this is a kind of a benefit to formation flying. Is if um, your opponent is less experienced with flying against an actual formation, um, it can be really intimidating to try to figure out how to approach a formation correctly if they don't know what they're doing. Mm -hmm. You should assume they know what they're doing, but uh, having been on the ace end against like a TIE Swarm or having played the eight ship TIE Swarm against Supernatural Jedi, um, it can be really hard for them to approach it correctly if you fly really well. Yeah. Yeah. Even. Uh... Rebel beef flying into a howl swarm is intimidating. Yep. Indeed. Unfortunately, rebel beef either hard wins or hard loses, and nobody's been able to figure out which. Yeah. Is true. True. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that pretty much covers uh, everything we have to say about uh, formations. While we've got everybody here, uh, do we want to give any shout outs this week? My father, Bob Howe. <laughs> oh, Doug actually beats us all to the punch there. 
Uh, how has too long since we podcasted? I'm out of practice. <laughs> how, how has the Falcon King been enduring uh, quarantine? Uh, pretty well. Um, he's been itching to play X-wing. He's trying to convince me to break my quarantine to go visit him. That's which... true. Yeah, you haven't. This has been a pretty uh, long while for you not to have been able yeah. to go across the state and see family. Yeah. So there's yet yet another thing that this stupid virus has taken from us. Yeah. Uh, Alex, anything that comes to mind for you? Family or about shoutouts? Your family doesn't play X-Wing. They don't count. You're basically They don't play. So they're coming to Kansas City to socially distance hang out this weekend. Oh, Oh. that's nice at least. Indeed. They were very adamant that they wanted to come out and hang out. So Are they just going to sit on your porch? Yeah, uh, do that or go hang out at a park or maybe just walk around Independence Square. Um, There's nothing to do. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) They're going to drive four hours to hang out for a couple hours and then drive four hours back, but that's what they wanted to do. So I'm, okay. I'm happy to see them. Indeed, uh, <laughs> um, shout out to Greg. Yeah, Greg. Greg, who, uh, there, uh, shout out to, and I am going to butcher this name, uh, Agda Piccolo, the, uh, inevi- the inevitable, the eventual winner of the Jank Tank Open. Uh, Turns out she was uh, inevitable. Yeah. Hindsight 2020. <laughs> <inevitable>. <laughs> Running uh, a first order list that had the invincible Omega Squadron Ace with Stealth Device and Debris Gambit that just could not be hit. And it was, as appropriate for the Jang Tank, the most unlikely of heroes that carried that list. No one would have ever picked the Omega Squadron Ace as, with Debris Gambit and Stealth Device. That's the best action. Yeah, and it already has the Evade. Debris Gambit is worth nothing there. But... Oh well, it just it it clobbered. So you know, good on Agatha. Uh, real good showing. Knocked out a lot of top tier players and uh, earned that spot. So yeah. uh, well At done. At some point, and- beat the the Padme Luminara combo that knocked out a great many people, yeah. including me and Paul Heaver. Uh, that actually got knocked out. Of, yeah, that was knocked out in the top four. Yeah. Uh, so it uh, also. Uh- I guess a shout out to Octracon who top forward in every single space every jam. Every space yeah, jam. Yeah, every space jam. What the hell, man? <laughs> Maybe next week we can gulp, talk about extended, and actually uh, dive into space jams a little bit. I'm desperate enough for content. That's fair. That's. I guess I'll have to pull up the pull up the old uh, this portrait. fortress. On man, that's been a long time since I said that word. Um, <laughs> on the on the things and do a quick old analysis um, of those. Uh, all right. Well, as it's is Jedi. as is standard, <laughs> if anybody uh, would like to hop on our social media and challenge one of us to a game on Vassal, I'm sure we would be more than happy to oblige. Uh, in the time Vassal instead of Tabletop Simulator. Yes, yeah, uh, please Tabletop Simulator. People love it, but I I have not been able to get a hang of it. The, I'm not a fan. No, the layout of Tabletop Simulator. I'm enough of a big clumsy oaf as it is, and you two are both like destroyers of ships. The the tabletop simulator just takes all that and amplifies it. It's like trying to play with those like extender claw hands. It's it's rough. But yeah, it, I don't, I'm not a fan of tabletop simulator. <laughs> you can't flip the table though, which is a nice touch. Yeah, I do like but... watching tabletop simulator games uh, almost more than I like watching regular X Wing games on stream. So they they do have that benefit there. Uh, but again, we are open to uh, hit us up on social media if you want a game. Uh, hopefully we'll all be back together playing soon in person at a respectable social distance and uh, these, these dark times will soon be passed. Uh, hopefully. Ho- hopefully. Hopefully we'll see everyone soon. Uh, or it's just going to keep apocalypsing and who knows. Before 2020, I didn't need to know the plural of apocalypse. Also, one final thing. Uh, Black Lives Matter. True Black Lives Matter, man. Yeah, th- that seems kind of odd for three white guys from the Midwest to be saying, but True. we absolutely support uh, everybody going through what they're going through right now, uh, what they've been going through for years. Uh, be more aware of what you do in your community, and uh, don't be afraid do, to change. Don't be afraid to change. Do our best to make our hobby a more inclusive one. There's no room for any kind of or discrimination. It's been and, bad. It's been coming out real bad the last few days, and we need mm-hmm. to be better as a community. We yeah. really do. It's, unacce- yeah. it's unacceptable. It's probably mm-hmm. the first time I've ever been actually disappointed in members of the X Wing community. Yeah, there, there have been some regrettable. Uh, not gonna 
do any cancels or call outs here, but there was a real regrettable thing said by members of this community, and we need to we need to be better than that, guys. It's it's been unacceptable, and we have to do better. One hundred percent. So, on that rather serious note, uh, for Tashi Station Radio, I'm Matt Newt. I'm Doug Howe. And I'm Alex Middle. And remember, social distance your A-Wings, folks. True. Resistance A-Wings need to be social distance from each other because they have two arcs. They have two arcs, and that means they have twice the arcs to spread COVID-19 and thus much stay far apart from each other. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to this episode of Tashi Station Radio. If you liked what you've heard, subscribe and keep up with episodes as they're released. You can also find us on social media, on Facebook at Tashi Station Radio, on Twitter at Tashi Station XW, and on Twitch at Tashi Station X-Wing. If you'd like to help out with our hosting costs, you can go to co-fi.com slash Tashi Station X-Wing and toss us a buck or two. It's really appreciated. Thanks for listening. Be sure to like and hit subscribe. Yubby yub.